Hi, this is Pastor Josh, and welcome to the Harbor Church Podcast. Harbor is a place where people can connect with Jesus and with each other. And if you're looking to get connected, you can find more information at harborchurch.com. Now here's this week's message from a guest speaker. It's on. I'm just messing with you guys. <laughs> I just, I couldn't pass it up. You know, I'm sorry. Uh, my name's Ron. We're glad to have you. It's Thursday night. Those of you who are watching us online or those of you who are physically here with us, it's an honor and it's a privilege for us that you've come here to Harbor to worship together with the Harbor family. And we are in this series, The Sweet Spot. And so I want to start off by telling you a story. It's true. Many times I tell stories that are really stories, uh, but this one's true, and my wife has a baby brother. She refers to him as that, and so when uh, he was about four or five years old, he would come out and stay with my wife and I. He lived in, in uh, Georgia, and my wife and I were living in Pensacola, Florida at the time, and so Anthony came out, and first night he's there, we didn't have air conditioning in our house, and if you've ever been in Florida without air conditioning in the month of July, you understand that it is the closest you can get to hell without actually being there. And so we're putting Anthony to bed that night, and he's got his shirt on. And so I, Marilyn goes in to get him ready, and she's trying to get his shirt off so that he would be a little bit cooler with the fan blowing on him. And Anthony just takes his arms, and he shoves him down like this, and he won't, he won't take the shirt off. So, you know, Marilyn figures, okay, he'll be afraid of Ron, so Ron, come in here. I start talking to him, and Anthony puts his arms down like that, and he starts crying. He said, Anthony, what in the world is the matter? And he said, I don't want to die. I said, what? He said, I, I don't want to die. And I said, well, who said you die? He said, if I take my shirt off, I'm going to die. I said, who told you that? And he said, Grandma May. That's Marilyn's and his grandmother, and so we contacted Grandma May, and so what she had told him was, and this is a southern statement, so you may not understand it, but if you've ever been in the south, you probably have heard it. She told him during the wintertime once when he spent the night with her that if you don't wear your shirt, you're going to catch your death of cold. And he took that literal and thought he was going to die. And so we assured him, Anthony, you are not going to die. So he, we forced you know, the shirt off of him, and he went to bed in a course of time. Fast forward a couple of years. Anthony comes back to stay with us again. He strips down naked, <laughs> getting ready for bed. And I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, what changed? <laughs> You know, I don't, I don't understand this. Last time you're crying your eyes out because you don't want to take your stupid shirt off, and now we're trying to follow you around getting your underwear back on, you know, kind of thing. What's, what's going on? And what happened was there was a period of time there where he realized that he didn't have to be afraid and he actually could take his shirt off and he would not die from that. Now, here's what I want to take a tangent off of that. There are many times in our lives that because of something that we have been told or we have experienced, 
back in our past, we have learned to take our spiritual, emotional, mental arms and shove them down and refuse to take those T-shirts of life off. Because we're afraid we're going to catch a cold and die. And then through a course of time, perhaps, experiencing some blessings and some goodness of God, all of a sudden we just spiritually start running around buck naked <laughs> because we know we're not going to die. Buck naked, can I, I, well I said it, I don't have to ask. <laughs> Those of you online, just cross that one out. But that in between the arms jammed down and the running around with nothing on, there is a period of time in there where we learn to experience the truth and the goodness of God. And I'm calling that period of time in between there the sweet spot. You see, I have a friend who is thoroughly committed to his children to experience a life far better than he did as a child. He came from a very broken home, very poor. They lived not paycheck to paycheck. They lived from meal to meal. And he determined, my kids will never experience that. And so he worked as many hours as he could, and he had several jobs that he had. And he was able to buy a very nice home and very nice, luxurious cars. And they had a swimming pool and they had the boats, you know, and they had the ski jets and they had all these kind of things. And when his son was getting ready to go off to college, he walked away from mom and dad. And my friend called me and said, would you talk to my son, please? And so I met with him. I said, what's going on here? Do you not realize that your parents love you? And here's what he said. They never showed up to one game. They never helped me one time with homework. We never had one vacation. Yes, I had everything in the world that anybody would want other than my parents. And there are some times in life we are so focused on the future that we miss the sweet spot too. So let's take a look at this for just a moment. I'm going to go into the life of, of Joseph. He's just an awesome, in my opinion at least, guy. He's, he's the youngest of the children. His dad loves him more than any of the other kids. He comes from a very dysfunctional home. His dad has children by four different women, two of them his wives and two of them just women that lived in the house. The dad went out and raped his daughter-in-law and got her pregnant and then condemned her to death because she went out and had sex with somebody else after her husband died. I'm just saying it's a broken home. And so we're going to read just a few verses that kind of bring us into the life and times of Joseph. So in Genesis chapter 37, I'm going to begin reading in verse 3. Jacob, now Jacob is the dad of Joseph. 
Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. Now, when, it, when the Bible says Joseph had been born to him in his old age, please take into consideration he is 100 years old when he fathers this boy. And his wife is 90. Mamas. <laughs> my mind's full of all kinds of things I could say, but my wife is going to watch this online, and I don't want to have to pay for it when I get home. But Joseph is his favorite kid because in Jacob's old age, he fathered this boy. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. Verse 4, his brother's hated him because their father loved him more than the rest of them. Let me stop for a moment. It has nothing to do with the message at all, just to throw a thought out to you. Parents, be careful when you show preferential treatment to your kids. You may love one of them more than the other. One of them may look and act more like your mother-in-law and you don't like her. But you better not let them know you will breed hatred and division among your kids by doing that. In fact, it says there in verse 4, they couldn't say a kind word about him. Nothing came out of their mouth that was nice. One night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Let me stop for a moment. It has nothing to do with the message. If you have a dream and it involves your mom and dad or your siblings, keep it to yourself. <laughs> I'm just saying. Verse 6, he, he opens his mouth and he says, Listen to this dream, guys. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain, and suddenly my bundles stood up, and your bundles all gathered around, and your bundles bowed down before me. His brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more. The guy has nobody who likes him other than dad. Verse 18, when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, now what's happened is, the brothers went out and were taking care of dad's sheep. Joseph stayed home. Dad's kind of worried about the boys because they haven't been sending back any kind of reports. And so Jacob says to Joseph, go out and see how your brothers are doing. Joseph goes out and finds them. And the brothers, they're looking and down the road, here comes hated, spoiled, rotten, preferred Joseph. And when the brothers saw him, they recognized him in the distance and as he approached, they made plans to kill him. Verse 23. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe that he was wearing. They threw him in a pit. They left him for dead. Then they decided, you know what? We can make some money off of him. They brought him out of the pit. They sold him into slavery. And his life goes from bad 
to worse, and as a professor I had in college would say, your life goes from bad to worse to Chicago. And that's what's going on with Joseph here. They sold him. His dad got his sister-in-law pregnant. But he interprets the king's words, or, I'm sorry, dream that he had. Because after he was sold into slavery, what happened was he just started going forward and things started working his way and people liked him and they promoted him and he made big bucks and he had influence and then... He was sold back again, or accused again of raping one of his boss's wives, and he's thrown into prison, and he's there, and he's not guilty, and he did everything he could to please God, and Pharaoh brings him out and brings him before him, and he interprets Pharaoh's dream, and Pharaoh moves him overnight from the prison to being number two guy in the nation. And he has all the power that anyone could have other than Pharaoh. The only one who had more power than he did. And the dream was basically this. Seven years of plenty are coming. And after that, seven years of famine are coming. And the famine is going to be so bad that if you don't properly prepare, you're going to die. And so Joseph puts together a plan. And he is in control of feeding the then known world. The cool thing was Joseph's brothers are sent by their dad to go to Joseph, though they don't know that's who it is, and ask him for food. And when they walk into Joseph's presence, they bow down before him. And the Bible says they bowed with their face to the ground. Stop for a moment, and if you're spoiled, preferred, little Joseph, who told your brothers years ago about this dream that they were going to come in and bow before you, and finally, your brothers have come in and bowed before you. What would you say? How would you respond? If you know anything about me, I'm not very kind in those kind of settings. And I would just, <laughs> I told you guys, it's me. You're bowing. Suck it up. Now, that would be me. But Joseph, the Bible says, went out of the room went over to another room and fell on his face and began crying before God because he finally sees his brothers again. And he comes back in and he reveals to them, I'm your brother. And they're scared to death naturally. And he says, hey guys, I only have love for you. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. Now, how did Joseph go through all that stuff and come out on the other end and be balanced and kind and gracious and forgiving and loving and going before Pharaoh and saying, these are my brothers and I want them to move here and you're going to give to them the land of Goshen, and they're going to be tax-free, and everything they want is going to be given to them. Are you okay with that? And Pharaoh says, yes, I am. You see, that's what I want in my life. Because every one of us in this room have moments that if we look back to, it's the T-shirt moment that caused us to 
put our arms down, and I guarantee you this, that will never happen to me again. Moment. And I don't want to be there. I want to be able to raise my hands in the presence of God and let him strip those stupid t-shirts off of me and stand before him in grace and kindness and mercy to other people because as our pastor says often, we're all just a bunch of dumpster fires. We need each other. I need you and you need me. And how do we know that God did not mean all of those things from our past to be something good for today. How do we know that? So we're going to take a few moments now and we're going to look at the past and we're going to look at the future and we're going to look at the meantime and then we'll be closed. Taking a look backwards, I, I, I found this quote I'm going to let you know ahead of time, it's by Steve Jobs. Steve is a, was the CEO of Apple. He's the chairman of the, and major shareholder of Pixar, and he was a member of Walt Disney uh, Board uh, of, of Influence. He was a multi-billionaire. Here's what Steve Jobs said. You cannot connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. That, I'm sorry, that stunned me. A man who did what he accomplished, and he's saying you can only move forward by looking back. Oh, really? So you have to trust that the dots will somehow, still quoting him, you have to trust somehow that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something, and then he lists, your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever. And I'm saying to us tonight, the whatever is God. Amen. This approach, he said, has never let me down. And it has made all the difference in my life. Those of us who are going through life looking backwards at all those hurts and all those wounds that we have and all those abandonments and all those frustrations, he's saying those are the dots that connect you to your future. And I'm just saying turn loose of the dots so you can reach your future. Robert Grigori said this, I he's a counselor, I have clients get the healing that they want by, excuse me, I help clients get the healing that they want by first helping them to get the healing they need. I am human, he says. As a human, I have vulnerabilities, fear, and oftentimes I feel shame because of them. I hate feeling ugly, he says, disgusting. And I absolutely cannot stand feeling like a prisoner. I've never met anyone who has had a perfect childhood. Sure, not everybody has experienced an obviously abusive upbringing, but everyone has experienced some form of trauma that leaves a lasting impressions on their psyche. The realities of the past. 
Returning to the past gives us a feeling of control. I can go back there and I can realize as harmful, as painful, as difficult as those times were, I'm still here today. I made it. I'm in control. It lets me know that. Marilyn and I bought our home. Uh, in fact, it would be a year this July that we moved in. I, we're showing our kids the house before it's all fixed and everything. So I'm back in the back bedrooms with my, my daughter-in-laws, talking to them and showing them where the bedrooms are going to be and everything. And I walk down the hallway and into the living room. There stands my son, Sean, and my son-in-law, Michael. And they don't know that I'm there. And they're talking about how they're going to use this house to make money after mom and dad are dead. And I'm sitting there and I said, hey, guys, I'm here. I heard you. You know, okay, you can do that, but not today. Now, we live that way. We live that way. You see, we have that worry, that abandonment, that anger, those regrets, the loss of our innocence, the unhealed wounds. We have those from our past. One commentator said, focus is so important because it is the gateway to all thinking. Without good focus, all aspects of your ability to think will suffer. Philippians 4 verse 8 and 9 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, and what is admirable. Verse 9 says, Then the God of peace will be with you. What you dwell on, what you think about, what occupies your mind either brings you into the presence of God and his peace or it removes you from God and his peace. Well, there's a lesson that I want to learn from the robe that that Joseph received from his dad, Jacob. A thought. It was given in love, but it produced hatred. It was meant for protection, but it only led to violence. When he was thrown in the pit, the pit was full of rejection and defeat. But the pit began the trip from his past into his future. If you find yourself in a pit right now, you may hate it, but you have a choice and you can choose that it is the first day of leading you into the future that God has for you. You see, I'm, I'm one of those people that just believes that God creates all of us with this innate desire inside of us that we want to realize that our life matters. When I come to the end, whenever that is, I want to be able to look back and realize that somehow or another, God used me in some way or another to be a blessing to somebody or another. I don't want to be oblivious. I don't want to be nothing. I I want to matter. It's created inside of us. But as long as I'm living in the past, that's gone. It no longer exists. 
You and your boat of life cannot reach the other side until you turn loose of the shore. You've got to come to a point that you turn loose. You say, but it hurt. Yes. It changed my life. Yes. But sooner or later, you got to lift those arms and let God take that stupid t-shirt off so that you can experience the freedom that he has for you. Well, there's an importance of the dream. Ephesians 3 verse 20 says, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. In other words, whatever comes to your mind in your dream moments of what you want God to do with you or through you, please understand you're never going to ask God for too much. He's going to say, do you not want more? Test me, try me, open your mouth wide, the Bible says, and I will fill it. You see, you're free to choose what you do. You're not free to choose the results of what you do. Choose wisely. When you give in to God's call, never give up on God's fulfillment. You will be tempted throughout your journey to quit. Just like Joseph, he went through pit after pit after pit, sometimes in prison, sometimes on the height of all the things in, in society. Joseph never gave up on his hope in God. Never. And when he had the opportunity to condemn those who hurt him the most, he forgave them. As you're on your way to your fulfillment of your dream, if I could, don't forget your family and your loved ones as you grow towards the maturity of your dream. My youngest grandson, since earliest of childhood, he's wanted to be a, a professional basketball player. His goal is he's going to play for uh, uh, University of Kansas and from University of Kansas he's going to go and he's going to play for the Boston Celtics That's, that is his goal you never see him without a basketball in his hand he's bouncing it everywhere he, he's good that's not a grandfather talking he's good it's a grandfather talking but he's good <laughs> alright so I'm, I'm talking to him one time and I said Dustin when, when you become a professional basketball player, are you going to support Pop and Nana? I mean, if your dad and your uncle are going to take over my home, the least you can do is support me. You know, I mean, let's work a deal out here. He looked at me and said, Pop, I am. I said, how much are you going to support me? Say about a hundred bucks. <laughs> to a seven-year-old kid, hundred bucks is a lot of money. That was a sacrifice for him. Don't forget your family. You're standing on the shoulders of somebody else. Don't forget them.
But there is the importance in living in the right now, which is that sweet spot. A very famous poet, Maya Angelou, she wrote this, I have great respect for the past. If you don't know where you've come from, you don't know where you're going. I have respect for the past, but I am a person of the moment. I am here, and I do my best to be completely centered at the place I am at. Then I go forward to the next place. You cannot get from there to there without going through here. Don't miss the here. Max Lucado said, What do you want said of you at your funeral? Write that down. And he said, You now have your life's purpose statement. Martha Feinberg wrote, Waiting is living in the land of in-betweens. It's between this and that, she said, not fully here nor fully there. It's excitement that leans forward, yet fears that draw back. It's between dreams and regrets. I wrote, it's John the Baptist declaring, Behold the Lamb of God, and then when in prison, asking, are you truly the Messiah? It was Abraham laughing at the promise of a son, and ten years later, fathering that child when he's a hundred. It's the assassination of Martin Luther King after his I Have a Dream speech, and Barack Obama sitting in the Oval Office as President of the United States of America. It's Pastor Josh feeling a call to plant a church in an area with less Christians per capita than in any nation of India. And 500 people begin praying consistently about planting a campus church. It's turning loose of the shore so you can sail to the other side. It is accepting the reality of Hebrews chapter 4 verse 7. So God set another time for entering his rest. And that time is today. Today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Today, the sweet spot. You say, well, it doesn't feel very sweet. It's okay. It's leading to God's promised land. Live it. Grasp it. Enjoy it. Embrace it. Hold on to it. Lift your hearts to God and thank God for this moment. There are some people who would give anything for this moment. God's given it to you. Don't lose sight of that. Now, if you're here tonight and you don't have a personal relationship with God, please hear me. Today is the day of your salvation. Don't don't harden your hearts. Don't say, no, I'll do it later. Don't, don't say, I'm not sure. Just embrace the offer of God's love and his forgiveness and his, his mercy for you and just say, yes, I take that. And I receive that into myself. 
And the Bible says God takes all of your sins and all of your condemnations and he removes it from you and he places it under the shed blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Simply by your faith, that becomes an eternal gift that God gives to you. Please receive that tonight. Don't say no. And for those of us who've had that relationship for however long, God has a plan for your life that is better than you can ever imagine. Quit holding your arms down, lift them up to him and say, okay, God, let's go. And you'll be amazed at the ride he takes you on. Be the most awesome thing in your entire life. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, we love you and we thank you. Speak to our hearts, speak to my heart. God, may we just lift our hands spiritually to you. And if we don't know you as our Savior, may we just embrace you and accept that gift. Thank you that by your mercy you save us. And by our faith we make it ours personally. And for those of us who've been on this journey, God help us that we can enjoy this moment that you've given to us. It is your gift. Time is your gift to us. May we relish it. May we luxuriate in it. May we be thankful for every second that you give to us. But God, as we do, may we point people to Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of faith, the giver of life, the beginning and the end. It's all about you. Thank you, Father. We love you in the name of Christ Jesus. If you'd like to support the ministries of Harbor Church as we bring the hope of Jesus to our community and the world around us, you can visit harborchurch.com backslash give, or you can text any amount to 84321. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.